morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season this Thursday, February the 24th, as the light of Jesus shines on us as we study and pray two psalms today. First time we've done this, where we will have two psalms, Psalm 133 and Psalm 134. They're both very short psalms. They're the kind of psalms that when you are in a pinch or you're trying to find a way to pray, they're the ones you open up your Bible and say, wow, I can do these. These are short. And so you do that. And there's many um, riches to be found in these short verses, only six total. But they also speak of powerful realities of our unity together in the Lord, and also the opportunity for those who are servants of the Lord. Martin Luther points this Psalm 134 to priests and to pastors, that they will find joy in their unity also with the Lord as he joins us together under his name. So today as we come, we pray and praise and give thanks that he has brought us together as one in Christ. And we do this today knowing that the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome Pastor Jim Price of Mount Calvary Lutheran Church in Wamego, Kansas. Pastor Price, happy epiphany and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Hey, thanks, uh, Pastor Finner. It's great to be here with you. Pastor, this is our first time together as you um, have served in Wamego for uh, for a time. You've been a pastor for a time, but this is our first time together on Thy Strong Word. So tell us about yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Mount Calvary. Well, uh, let's see. Um, I, I guess I'll start with uh, where I grew up. I grew up in Ghana, West Africa, where my parents uh, served as missionaries with uh, Lutheran Bible translators and Wycliffe Bible translators. And uh, so spent uh, uh, much of my growing up years there in West Africa. I came back to the States my senior year of high school, uh, finished up, uh, went in the Army for a few years, uh, went to college at Dallas Baptist uh, University in Dallas, then went on to seminary in St. Louis, uh, where I met my wife, and uh, so she, uh, Cheryl, and I have been married for 27 years. We have eight kids. Uh, three of them are adopted. So we've got a, a pretty wide range. You've got a 25-year-old, and my youngest is nine years old. And they are, uh, the older kids are kind of all over the place. I've got uh, a son today who is uh, in his last week of jump school in the Army. So he's, he's doing his last two jumps out of an airplane this, this, uh, this day. So we're praying for his safety. And uh, then uh, I've got kids still at home as well. I've been here at Mount Calvary, uh, Wamigo, for almost five years. So the good folks uh, here at, at Mount Calvary uh, uh, called me about five years ago. And before that, I served for 19 years and 11 months with the, the people of God in Waco at St. Mark Lutheran Church. And uh, they saw our family go from three of us to 10 of us. So uh, they were uh, just wow. wonderfully supportive through those years. So that's kind of a, a brief synopsis. 
Well, that is well, definitely different than many of us pastors where, you know, born in Minnesota is kind of the normal. And then, you know, I went to, you know, went to college, went to seminary, now back in Minnesota is my story. But your story is, wow, that is wonderful to hear the service of your parents through Lutheran Bible translators. A reminder to our listeners to look it up, look up Lutheran Bible translators on um, their website and the great work they do around the world. And and then for you to go in the military, we thank God for that. And then now, <laughs> um, now in Kansas and Wamigo is uh, kind of famous for their Museum of the Wizard of Oz. Am I correct? That is correct. That's a, kind of a big deal here, and uh, that's a, that's a thing that people get pretty excited at. We we actually have an Oz Fest here each year. Well, the question I always ask anybody who's in Kansas, especially in your area, is that you live on turf that is quite sacred for some people. That you're in between a town called Manhattan and also a town called Lawrence. So the question is, are you a Kansas State fan or are you a KU fan? Well, it, it's, uh, you know, the folks around here know that I could care less about uh, college sports. So uh, that's uh, that's a sad reality. It's just not a thing with me. And uh, it, I, I, I honestly, people often tell me who's playing and I'm I'm surprised and uh, and I'll listen to them tell me who won and that kind of thing. But I'm really not into it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And I'll tell you this story is my my grandfather, and we talked about this prior, my grandfather got remarried to a gal from Wamigo. So the end, towards the end of his life was in Wamigo, Kansas. And he married a gal who was a crazy Wildcat K-State fan. And I once made the mistake of calling her team the Jayhawks. And it was there was <laughs> wrath to come from this tiny little gal from Wamigo, Kansas. So that's why it's etched in my brain of the commitment of <laughs> people around Wamigo. Anyways, Pastor, as we gather together today, we are here to study God's word. And so how we've been doing this is I will we will read Psalm 133, which also means we're praying it. And so I will read Psalm 133. And then a little bit later, we'll do Psalm 134 as our study continues. Um, and reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading and, and praying from Psalm 133. And I will end with the Gloria Patri and move on from there. So Psalm 133, a song of ascents by David. And we pray together. We pray. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls in the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Now, a reminder that we'll be going through Psalm 134 a little bit later. And, you know, this is the first one for us. We haven't done two Psalms at one time. But, Pastor, we'll take one step back as we look at, wow, you're a busy guy. A lot of phone calls. Um, as we yeah, look at, at Psalms, no, you're, you're, you're totally fine. If we look at Psalms. Why? Uh, I want to ask you this question. We've been asking everybody this. Why are Psalms important to the Christian and to the body of Christ in worship? 
Well, of course, you know, we, we often say this with the book of Psalms, that, that it's the hymnal of God's people and not just God's Old Testament people. It's our hymnal, too. And um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I was looking at, at the, uh, the hymnal selection uh, guide for our Lutheran service book. And it's really not very surprising, but there are more hymns that we have that are based on a psalm than any other book of the Bible. Well, that, that shouldn't surprise us because these are the hymns of God's people. And uh, not only is it the hymnal of God's people, it's our prayer book. And so there are many times in our lives we don't even know what to say to God, and we need him to help us. And he, he gives us the very words by which we speak to him. And that actually teaches us how to speak to him in prayer. So it, that, that is one of the wonderful gifts that we have in the book of Psalms. You know, that's something that, you know, I, I've never looked at, partly because I don't have that uh, resource. So I've always kind of looked through the hymnal and thought, I wonder, you know, I wonder if I were to look up a Bible passage where the hymns are, because I don't have that, because that's not in the hymnal itself. But something I never thought about is that majority of our hymns, because you always think of a mighty fortress as our God, as Psalm 46. Um, you can look at right. other hymns. I can't even think of any offhand. But I've never thought about that, that our psalms are are directly related to our hymnody. Um, yeah. So, so, Pastor, how about this? For the individual Christian, why are psalms important? Well, because not only are these the, the psalms of God's people, because they, they are the, the songs and prayers, they are for each of us. And, of course, you know, you look at the psalms, they... They were, uh, sometimes they are, and especially these ones that we're looking at, by the way, these are, these are very collective in the way that they ap approach God. But so many of the Psalms are very, very personal. We think especially of the Psalms of David, his Psalms of, of confession and the like, his Psalms where he is going through personal uh, uh, trouble that is affecting him in a very, very personal way. And so these are prayers that get right to the heart of where we live out our lives as God's people and it shows us, one, that we are not alone in the experiences that we go through, uh, but also um, that, that these psalms that we, we hear God's people praying from the past, they just touch on every aspect of our lives. They express our, our sorrows, our, our joys, and everything in between. And so, Pastor, let's look at Psalm 133. I remember... At my fieldwork church in St. Louis, this was a very common um, passage that we would recite back and forth at the beginning of worship, kind of uh, uh, during one of our prayer services that we would do. And so I've always heard of it in that sense, and it really overwhelmed me as far as realizing that, wow, we're dwelling in unity here as God's people. But if someone were to ask you, what's Psalm 133 about, what would you tell them? Well, the first thing that I would uh, that I would want us to think about with regard to that psalm, and by the way, with regard to Psalm 134 as well, is mm -hmm. just like in our hymnal, we have different sections. So right now, probably in your church, as you're selecting hymns, you're probably picking a lot from the Epiphany section. Well, this is in a specific section and uh, a collection of 15 psalms, and they are all called Songs of Ascents. And so these were psalms that were used, actually hymns that the people would sing as they were making their way to Jerusalem. So they were, they were on their way to worship. They were on their way to the temple for mainly the three major festivals in the Jewish life. 
And so as they were on their way, they had these hymns that they would sing together as, as family and as communities, because, of course, they'd be going up with, with relatives and uh, little village communities and the like. And here's, here's hymns that they would sing together. And, uh, and they were focused very much on, just like we have Epiphany themes, they had these going up to Jerusalem themes. And so they had to do oftentimes with protection and God's blessing and, and worship and what worship even means. So these are all a part of the themes that show up in this psalm. And, of course, um, they're going up together. So, so unity, that's going to be a strong theme, isn't it? And, in fact, right off the bat, this first verse is going to focus on the unity they have together. But that, behold... So it said, look, now, you know, you think about if somebody says to you, hey, hey, look, it's going to be interesting Zoom. They want to get your attention. And it's saying, hey, here's something worth looking at. And what is it that's worth looking at? And the psalm says, well, here's what's interesting. Here's what's a marvel, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. So, you know, I, I said a minute ago that, you know, I've got eight kids and so I just think of all the road trips that our family has been on, you know, packed in a van. And every one of us with our own sinful natures and you know, different, uh, you know, different priorities. And, and, but every now and then we're all getting along. And, man, it's a marvel. It's a, it's a wonder. That is a great vision for us as we look at this is that it doesn't say you're always going to be in unity, but it's showing, hey, look at this. We are in unity. And in between yeah. these Psalms, we've been studying the book of Matthew. And so I'm mean, not in between. Before this Psalm and after these Psalms for this week, we've been studying the book of Matthew. And throughout the book of Matthew, there are tons of times that Matthew puts in that word, behold, and behold, the Magi, and behold, there's Jesus healing people, and behold, behold, behold. It's all over the place, so it should really not only perk our minds in Matthew, but also the Old Testament, because it's almost like the Price family is driving down the road, everyone's getting along, and you look at your bride and go, hey, behold, <laughs> we're all getting along right now. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, and uh, and and <laughs> one of the things that makes us say that is uh, it's not happening all the time, so it's, it's wonderful <laughs> when it actually does. Wow, that is really, it's a wonderful insight, Pastor. And it, and specifically, um, I've been reading uh, Luther on the Psalms. So reading the Psalms with Luther is a great resource that we have with Concordia Publishing House. And it speaks about how this Psalm and Psalm 134 is a Psalm of instruction as well about the need for us as Christian people to be united as one. Now, Let's. I want to dig into that a little bit because, one, we're looking like, wow, this is amazing. But also it, it instructs us on why it's important to be united as one. So why is it important for us as Christians to be united as one in his name? Well, the uh, am I allowed to do this? Can I answer a, a different question? The, uh, you you are. You there's, are. There's, free in the gospel. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so there's actually something that we have to think about before we even get that far. All right. And, and that it. is that this psalm is helping us think. I mean, yes, it's holding up be before us this the, the wonder and the, the blessing of unity. But it's telling us really early on, where is that going to come from? I mean, we know that we want it, 
right? I mean, who, who doesn't want the, the fellowship and the joy of, of being in harmony with others? But that's just the problem. This is what we so often struggle with. Well, notice that the psalm tells us that, it, it, number one, it is a wonder, you know, behold, but then it says how good and pleasant it is. Now, we've run into this word good before in the Bible, haven't we? In fact, it shows up really, really early on. In fact, it shows up in just the fourth verse of the Bible, in, in God's creation. And so God creates light, and he, he sees that it's good. Same word, by the way, not only in English, but in the original language. And hmm. so then that's going to be a refrain all throughout the days of creation. And we're getting a hint right away in this psalm that, listen, uh, the kind of goodness that the psalm is talking about and that it is calling us to, and it certainly is, is going to be a goodness that comes as a creative act of God. This isn't something that, that you and I just put together. We, we don't just say, hey, we're going to... Um, we're going to all be united. You know, if, if it was that easy, the United Nations job would be really easy. Um, you, you wouldn't have uh, Russia invading Ukraine. Uh, you wouldn't have all the kinds of things that we see falling apart in the world because uh, this is actually something that, that requires a creative act of God. And so as we look at that, not only <clears throat> is that our goal to be united, um, in Christ, united in the Lord, but also He's the source as well. Is that is that summarize what you were just saying? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So so unity is going to come from God. It's going to and it's going to come to us. You know, if we can, uh, if we can already, put, you know, look at these things through the through the lens of Christ. It's going to come to us through first of all the reality that God has given each of us as His children a. A, a fellowship with him. You know, I mentioned earlier that my wife and I, we, we have three children that are adopted, and they were all adopted in the state of Texas. Now, I learned something really interesting about adoption when we went through that process. I don't know how it is in other states, but I do know it, it works this way in Texas, that when a child is born, of course, on their birth certificate, it names their, their biological, their birth mother and their birth father. When a child is adopted in Texas, they are given a new birth certificate. Now, on the new birth certificate, my wife's name is listed as if she were the mother. And my name is listed as if I were the father. And what that's saying is that this child is as much a part of this family as it could possibly be. It's, it's no less a part of the fellowship of the Price family. And what happens with us in Scripture, we find that we're actually brought into the family of God. So our, our connection, as we're adopted in through Christ, is we, we are truly those who can say to God, you are my Father. Why? Because of our unity with Christ. That, that's what baptism is actually telling us. And so this, this psalm, in a wonderful way, and we're going to see this in just a moment as we get into the similes that the psalmist uses to help us think about this are going to show us that the unity that we long for is is found in the blessings that God gives us in Christ. And even though we don't always see that because of our own brokenness and the fallenness and the divisiveness of the world in which we live, uh, we can always come back to this uh, true blessing that we have in Christ. 
And so this brings me back to the original question, and I'm glad you pulled us back because we could talk about ourselves the whole time and say, well, this is what you do to be unified. This is what you do. And that's one of the dangers I found with this psalm for me personally is, all right, how can I make sure we're unified without pointing our attention to who makes us unified back to our baptism? And I love that way you brought in the adoption. Obviously, this is adoption as son's language we see in the epistles. And and so it brings me back to this. Why is it important for us to remember that we are united in Christ as Christian people, as individuals, but also when we gather as a body of Christ? Well, we, we need to remember it, first of all, because there is so much around us and, and in us that that is disconnecting us from one another. And that shouldn't surprise us because that's the story of the, of the scriptures themselves. So, you know, really quickly into the, into the story of creation, we have the the fall and then we have, you know, Adam who was uh, so delighted to have the wife that God had given him, you know, he goes from, you know, this is bone of my bones to this woman that you put here with me, you know, it's her fault. And then, you know, from then on out, it's just this, this struggle. And we struggle with it in the church. So on the one hand, you know, we have, you know, we have our hymn, uh, Onward Christian Soldiers, and think about that, that part of it that says, you know, we are not divided, all one body, we. And yet what we, what we recognize in our congregations, in our denomination, in, in just the, the, the larger uh, body of Christ throughout the world, that constantly we're all divided, we're, we're a broken body. And so we're recognizing that, and we're acknowledging it before God, but we're also saying, Lord, we know that you're calling us to something something better, and not only are you calling us to that, but you are making it possible as through, as through the broken body of your Son, uh, you draw us together. And so it, it's, it's in him that then we are able to actually um, not just see this as an ideal, as a, boy, this is something to strive for, uh, which it is, and we're called to do so. But also, uh, as we work towards this in the way that we relate to one another, in the way that we seek to be Christ-like with, with each other, we're also constantly coming back to, uh, here's what really unites us. It's Christ who, in fact, helps us and forgives us our sins where, where we have uh, been uh, less than uniting with others. And so, Pastor, let's move on a little bit into the next two verses, because I think we could probably spend another hour on the next two verses, because we we get this behold moment. Hey, look, we're, we're united. And then you go back to the source like you have done wonderfully, and then you're reminded. But this is also work. Like right? This is something that we pray that the Lord continues to keep us unified in what we're unified in, not, not hair color or political ideologies or anything like that. It is all founded in the grace of Christ. And then he uses some visuals. And those visuals are a little bit hard for a Minnesotan to understand, a little bit hard, probably even for a Kansas person to understand, because it uses language we just don't usually have visually in today's world. So verse 2, I want to read that. We have about three, four minutes before our break, but I want to dig into verse 2 and talk about the importance of oil and Aaron as we look at this unity. Verse, Verse 2. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. 
Now, that's very visual, but I, I rarely have seen in my life people being poured on with oil before. But what is what is David um, capturing here with this visual of oil and Aaron and his robe and how that connects to unity? Okay. Well, the first thing I think that we want to note here is that uh, that Aaron is named. And we remember that Aaron is the first of the high priests that God uh, chooses for Israel. And uh, he is actually literally anointed with oil that God uh, said that they were to use that would set him apart. It wasn't only him. It would be his... Uh, his descendants after him who served as high priest, they too would be anointed with the, with the same oil. And, um, and so some things that we see here are chosen by God. He serves in this calling as priest for Israel. And uh, in this calling now, what he is going to do and those who come after him is they are going to, to mediate between the people and God. They're going to offer up the sacrifices of the people. They are going to uh, teach them the word of God. They're going to pray for the people. They are going to to speak God's blessing on the people. So they've got this, this role by which God um, seeks to, uh, to be with his people and to assure them of his grace and mercy to them. But one of, the, one of the things then that we see how this happens with him is in the anointing itself. And so it speaks of the oil that's, that's on his head and running down on his beard and then running down into the collar of his robe. And by the, word, by the way, that word down is going to be repeated in the next verse, too. The ESV doesn't quite get this. It uses a you know, different wording. But uh, in the original language, we get this word down again. So three times in those couple of verses. And... And, you know, what's the point of that? Well, the direction of the flow is all from above. So it's, it's praise God from whom all blessings flow. You know, praise him, all creatures here below. That's us. And so where is, the, where is this blessing that we're talking about, this blessing of unity and fellowship? Where are we going to find it? Well, we're going to find it as, uh, as God pours it down uh, on Aaron, on his chosen priest, uh, this uh, this oil that he uses. By the way, when you think about that oil, I, do, you, do you remember this, Pastor Finnern, that that the oil that was used to anoint Aaron, and not just Aaron, but other things in the temple, um, it, there was a special recipe, if we can call it that, uh, mm, that mm-hmm. is, uh, here's what the ingredients were to be, and and then remember that no other person in Israel could could use that that particular kind of oil on themselves. In fact, God says in Exodus 30 that if anyone but a priest would use it on their person, that 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 w- person would no longer be a part of the people of God. So it's just this was a a unique fragrance, if you will, and it was uh, it was a, in fact, Book of Exodus calls it a a perfume. There was actually a smell to it, and so as Aaron is anointed, he smells like the blessing of God. And so as he went about uh, uh, following this anointing, this oil that was on his beard and in the collar of his robe, people could actually smell uh, the priest. And, and it was a fragrant smell. It was a good smell. And that can get us thinking about a passage like uh, 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16, where it says of us as God's people that we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. So on the one hand, it says a fragrance of death to death. 
So to those who reject the, the, the blessings of fellowship with God that we have in Christ, it's, it's death. And yet to those who hear and know that, uh, that we need this fellowship with God, here we have the blessing, a, a life forevermore that is, that is even captured in the, in the smell that is uh, poured out on Aaron. Not only the the look of oil, not only the feel of oil that would bring unity, reminding them of God's grace, but also the smell. And I want to talk more about that on the other end of our break. We are studying and praying Psalms 133 and 134 with Pastor Jim Price, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying and praying Psalm 133 currently, and we'll get to Psalm 134 a little bit later with Pastor Jim Price of Mount Calvary Lutheran Church in Wamego, Kansas. I didn't say this at the beginning, but I would encourage our listeners, if you have any questions on these psalms or any psalm that we've been studying, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or call us even, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. And you might find this funny, Pastor, I... I texted your uh, your district president right before our time, Pastor President uh, Justin Panzer, and I said, "Why don't you call in and see if you can stump your pastor?" And he said he's in meetings, <laughs> so unfortunately, he cannot call Thank in today. Goodness. So I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay. So, Pastor, you were you were on a roll as 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 we have heard today. Thank you for your um, faithfulness of the study of the text today. Talking about the oil and, and, and Aaron and the ordination of priests and the smell that would be there, I, I, I was reading upon this, and how could, how could somebody, like a, a man who gets ordained into the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament, not feel and touch and smell the unity that he would have with the other priests and the people who are there and with the Lord when that oil went upon his head, went down his um, beard, down to his robe. And I thought that was a wonderful way. And you captured that wonderfully, too, because it just it, it shows us just away from the ritual and showing the unity that we have in something like this was such a powerful imagery for them to see how the Lord was at work. So, Pastor, anything else about the oil aspect that David brings to us today? No, I, I don't think so. But uh, but just, uh, you know, just during the break, I was thinking uh, that this wasn't a part of my study, but I was thinking of... Uh, Last night I was reading to two of my younger kids. The um, we're reading the last of the Narnia books. I don't know if you've read mm-hmm. those, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in the in the last one, there's this scene where these 
this group of, of uh, dwarfs who essentially re reject the, the good news that is theirs. Uh, and and they're, they're, everyone else around them is rejoicing that they're in sort of a heavenly setting, if you will. And they're trying to get the dwarfs to see, hey, look, look at the wonders that are around us. And somebody holds in front of them a, 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 a bouquet of flowers. Uh, and he says, can you smell this? Can you smell how beautiful it is? And, and he can't. He thinks that the person is holding in front of his nose stable litter is what he says. And that's the way. See, this is so often we get we're, we're frustrated. We can't understand why doesn't someone get the, the, the wonder of the gospel that we know. And a part of it is they just can't. They can't. It's, it's an aroma of death. And yet at the same time, the wonder is it's only in continuing to proclaim and, and hold up this gospel that, that people finally are able to see, you know, this is what I've actually been needing. This is what's missing. And that is uh, the, the blessing that God gives me in Christ. So that, that sort of finishes up the, the simile of, of oil. You, you want to move into verse three, the simile of yeah. do? Yeah, I, I will read okay, um, so verse three and then come back with your thoughts. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord Yahweh has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So he goes from oil to dew, and, you know, like, there's no mountains in Minnesota. There's, I, don't, I don't think there's any mountains in Kansas. It's kind of hard to understand what he's saying. What is he capturing with the, the vision of dew? Well, first of all, what we even before we get to the do, what we get is this contrast, if you will, um, or b between Mount Hermon and Mount Zion. So Mount Zion, of course, uh, the mountains of Zion is what it says, and and that's an important uh, little mountain range because of of where the temple was. The temple was on Mount Zion, you know, so that becomes kind of synonymous with with the place where God meets his people. But then he takes us uh, to, to Mount Hermon, and Mount Hermon was way to the north of Mount Zion. And this was a uh, uh, sort of on the, the, the northern frontier of Israel. It was a very high mountain. Um, if you Google a picture of Mount Hermon, you'll probably see a picture of a mountain with snow on it. It, it, it is snow-capped for much of the year. They actually have a ski resort up there in these modern days. And so this was a, a mountain that was known for its, its, its heavy precipitation. It, it, it was a part of what fed the Jordan River. And so the, the picture of the dew of Hermon uh, is really a picture of, of fertility and life. And, uh, and so that's the imagery that's being drawn on now as God's people gather uh, to worship him in his temple. Uh, that there is, uh, there, there is, there is life, uh, there, is, uh, uh, there is abundance, there is fertility for God's people uh, as they gather together uh, on his mountain. And, and so that, that's what that simile is really getting at. But what it's also reminding us is of, of why it is that, that unity is so often lacking in our lives and why it is that, that we hunger for it, we want it, but we don't, always, uh, we don't always experience it. And really it comes from this is we forget where it comes from. It, it, it always comes from God. It's always a gift. Um, and so what the psalm is doing for us is it is is wetting our appetite for this unity that we long for, and it's telling us yes, it's important for us, and you need it, 
But then what it's also doing for us is it's telling us, here's how you get it. Here's, here's where it comes from. And it's telling us it comes by one who is anointed of God, chosen by God. It tells us it, it, it comes to us as one who is a high priest, and it, and it is enjoyed and experienced as God's people gather before the Lord in the very place uh, where he has promised to meet them. So all of those things are wrapped up in these, these images that the psalm uses to help us think about the unity that we long for. The, uh, can, I, can I jump for just a moment to the New Testament? Please. Because I think this is, yeah. this is obviously where, where the psalm is pointing us, that, that the New Testament is telling us that Christ is our high priest. He's the anointed one. So I, I was telling you the other day uh, when we spoke briefly that I, I've been listening to thy strong word back in 2019 because you were doing a section on the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And so, boy, that's been in the back of my mind as I've been living in these Psalms, you know, for the last several days that, that the book of Hebrews shows us that all these these blessings of priesthood and temple, uh, that they come to their fulfillment in Christ. And that it's, it's not that the Old Testament things were not important, but rather that what they were doing, they, they're very important because they, they, they point us to what God is getting ready to do for us in, in Jesus. And in the New Testament, then, we find out here's the one where, where God meets us in person. And here's the one uh, who joins us to himself and then through this unity with him joins us actually to one another. So then you, you get into the Gospel of John. Remember how in John... Um, 17, we have, we even, it's even often in our, in our Bibles, it has a heading, it'll say the high priestly prayer of Jesus or something like that. And this is that prayer that Jesus prays with his disciples as uh, he is very soon about to go out to the Garden of Gethsemane where he'll be arrested. And, and so in a part of that prayer, remember how he prays. He, so he's praying with the disciples and for them, but then he says, I don't only ask for these but also for those who will believe through their words. And now he's praying for us. And he says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you've sent us. So what Jesus is actually telling us there is that that he is our unity. Our our unity is not just a, a feeling of fellowship. I mean, certainly we experience that. It, in, in joyful times when, uh, when we understand it and when we, uh, and when we, we live it out. But it, it begins with this, our unity is a person. Our unity is Jesus. And it is only through our connection to him that we can actually say and sing, you know, we are all, you know, we are not divided, you know, all one body, we. But when we look at ourselves, what we see is we see all kinds of uh, fractures, uh, even at our best, and if we look to ourselves as the power that's going to unite us, we're always going to come up short. And so, so, and so then you think about, remember, these are psalms of worship. What, what are God's people doing? They're going up to, to Jerusalem. They're going to offer up sacrifices for their sins that have broken mm-hmm. fellowship with one another. And so what, what happens when we come to worship? It's not the very first thing, but it's one of the first things that we do. We say, we've sinned, you know, against, against God and against one another. And we've, we're saying, Lord, I've not been a source of unity. I've been a source of division uh, in my family, 
uh, in my community, um, in my nation, you know, in my in my church, and that you know. So each one of us, you know, for me, I'm I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor, I'm a neighbor, and it doesn't take you know too much difficult uh, thinking to remember ways over a over the course of a week in which I have not been a source of unity, but I've been a source of of disunity. And but then in the absolution, what do we hear? Uh, we actually hear that these very sins that have broken fellowship with God, broken fellowship with one another, that they have been forgiven, and uh, and and we are accepted by God. We're united uh, with Him. And of course, even really before we get that far, the whole worship service begins by telling us that as we use the words of invocation, the very words that were used on our baptism into Christ, Lord's Supper, saying the same thing, isn't it? That we're we're one body. Why are we one body? Because we share in in one body. It's almost as if our Lord knew that that what's going to happen is his people will not be united in all kinds of ways. Of course, he knew that. And so here he gives us all these gifts that restore us to him, and through him now restore us to one another. And that is so perfect. As we. <clears throat> It's no different than any other time in history. You know, we we are broken, like you've said, uh, said so well, that we there's sin. There's always been that as far as since Adam and Eve and our unity. And you really brought us back to this. Our unity is always founded in realizing that we need a greater high priest than Aaron, as pro- proclaimed here, and to put on our Christ goggles with Psalm 133 and 134. Just to remind us what our source of salvation is, and that's why it goes beautifully with with the book of Hebrews and and how that connects us to that sacrifice, to that song of ascent, to to our Lord being the one and final sacrifice. And I want to I want to touch on one aspect of this and get your thoughts before we get to Psalm one thirty four because we could I didn't realize this we could do one thirty three the whole hour and I, <laughs> you you really unpacked it so it's like oh my goodness we we yeah. want to cut this short. But the end, it says, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. What is he speaking of? Give us a, a minute or two on, on that. Well, the uh, the first thing that I think is happening here is this is actually pointing us to um, what we commonly call the Aaronic blessing, which, of course, yes, it was spoken by Aaron and his descendants after him, but it's, it's really not Aaron's blessing, is it? It's actually the Lord's blessing, um, and that's very important that, that Aaron speaks it, but it, is, it, it does not have its source in him. This is the blessing that God gives. It is life forevermore. So, you know, I spoke a minute ago about the invocation, but now, you know, think about how as our service comes to its conclusion in, in you know, most Lutheran worship services, then we're going to have this blessing where the, the, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. And I was just telling someone yesterday, in fact, because again, of course, I've been thinking about this this psalm a lot recently, but I think that we sometimes hear that benediction, and the way we think of it is as a sort of pious wish. So the, the people, you know, we're getting ready to leave worship, and it's almost as though um, the, the pastor were saying, you know, something like, I hope you have a really good week, <laughs> or I hope, I hope your day goes mm-hmm. well, or something like that. But that's not what's going on at all. That what's actually happening is, is God is speaking a blessing 
upon us as we get ready to go out in the world. Now, we know this because we've we've walked out the doors of the church, you know, week in and week out, and we know that the things that lie ahead will not all be wonderful. They will be difficult. We will uh, we will struggle. Uh, we will face all kinds of uh, challenges. And it's not as though when we face those, we don't have the blessing anymore. No, it's because we're in the midst of those. Now we have gone out, but we go out with the blessing that is has been proclaimed on us. We don't face these things apart from the blessing. We, we face them and live in them in the midst of the blessing that has really has been spoken upon us. And, and so this is, and what is it? What's the blessing? Well, he tells us what the blessing is. It's life forevermore. It's, it's that which has been delivered to us fully in Christ. And, uh, and so when we put all of this together, it, it helps us understand what's happening in our lives in worship. How does worship actually show us that what we long for most a fellowship, a true fellowship that begins with God, that spills over into life with one another, that all of this is going to, it's going to come from him. It does come from him. And that's what, that, that's what uh, enables us to experience some of that ourselves in, in, in this broken and fallen world, but, but yet in a, in a, in a way that is a peace that passes all understanding to use, uh, use Paul's words. And that's where, that the word is not only filling us with the Holy Spirit, as we believe, showing us Christ, but it's performative, as you said. Like, like we will say, have, have a nice day. But as Christians, when we give a blessing like this, that the Lord gives you the blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, as a ironic benediction will give, that this is performative, that we are giving exactly what God has said, the blessing forevermore. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. What are we getting? Blessing and the keeping of our Lord. You know, make his face shine upon you. What were we giving? The, the Lord making his face shine upon you. So Psalm 133 brings us back to the source of everything which is Christ and him crucified for our unity. So may that be an encouragement for all of you, our listeners, as you go to worship and remember when you are with other Christian people and your family, that behold, we're together as one in Christ. We have 10 minutes left, Pastor, and I I just, well, we have to get through to 134. So I'm going to read that. It'd be our time of prayer. Do the Goya Patria at the end and get your thoughts as we study deeper into Psalm 134. And we pray. Come bless the Lord, Yahweh, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. He who made heaven and earth. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Amen. Now, Pastor, this one is, is a little bit different, but like you said, it's very similar. How would you how is it the same and how is it different than Psalm 133? Well, first of all, we have we have been speaking all all throughout, you know, Psalm 133. Of the blessing, uh, praise God from whom all blessings flow, and and then right away this psalm seems to to sort of put the brakes on that for a moment because now it says, "Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord." So wait, wait a minute, I thought blessing came from the Lord, but this says that we're to bless the Lord. Now, by the way, the the word is exactly the same, and that seems odd because what could we ever give to the Lord? 
that would be a blessing. We, we need everything that we have to come from him. Well, in the vocabulary of the Psalms um, and really of Scripture, when we talk about our blessing the Lord, um, what we mean is that, that we are thanking, we're praising him for those good things that he has given to us. And so in that sense, we can say, yeah, even here, um, all the blessings flow from him. We, we would have nothing to thank and praise him for except that he, um, he, has, he has blessed us. The other thing, and you, you alluded to this earlier uh, in your Luther quote, that this is a great uh, psalm for pastors and those who serve in the church because it refers to those who, who serve in the house of the Lord. Uh, and, and here it even says, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. So this would have been, you know, the, the priests, the Levites who served in God's temple. So the Israelites came from all over Israel to come up to the temple to worship. But of course, th there, were, there were those from the tri tribe of Levi. They lived there. That, that was where they were. And they had rooms in the temple. First Chronicles 9 talks about this. And even how they, uh, they uh, served there uh, day and night. And, but then we remember this, that just as in, in the New Testament, we see that, that Christ is our high priest and more than high priest, he is our very temple, that, that the priesthood has changed too, because uh, we, are now, we are now a royal priesthood. First uh, Peter tells us we're a holy nation, a people uh, for God's possession that we may declare the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we actually do, and not, by the way, not just pastors, certainly pastors and others who serve, you know, in the church, but but every Christian is in that sense a priest uh, declaring the, the, the praises and the blessings of God to sinners through Christ. The um, now, now, along with that, there's a, there's a wonderful hymn in our hymnal. It's called The Day Thou Gavest. It's 886 uh, Lutheran Service Book. It's in the evening hymn section. And one of the things that I, I love about that hymn, and it's captured a couple of different stanzas, but stanza three is the one I'm going to refer to here. It's talking about how, as the sun goes up all across the, the globe, that God's church is always crying out to him in prayer. And so as o'er each continent and island, the dawn leads on another day, the voice of prayer is never silent, nor dies the strain of praise away. And so, so we're going to be going to bed here, you know, in, in several hours. The sun's going to go down. But what's going to be happening is the church is going to be waking up somewhere else and uh, waking up to praise God and to shine the light of his gospel and blessing and to declare to sinners that which God has done for them in Christ. And so that's what this psalm, that's that hymn, rather, that this, this uh, hymn is helping us think about. And really the psalm itself is that, is that the voice of God's people is constantly uh, crying out to God in praise and prayer. And of course, all of it received uh, through our great high priest, Jesus. So, so then, but then notice how the psalm ends. So it, it, it speaks, and by the way, this is probably a liturgical piece in that uh, the people would uh, say those, uh, those first words in the psalm, uh, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, uh, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place. Uh, but then verse 3 uh, would, uh, uh, as we envision this, would have likely been the response of the priest to the people. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Now remember, these, this is the last psalm of the Songs of Ascent. So, um, here they've gathered in Jerusalem, 
and, uh, and they will soon be going home. Uh, now they receive, and, and how fitting it is that as they get ready to go back to their lives, uh, those things that God has called them to, because they're not all priests, uh, that, that they have callings that they have, uh, that they go now, that the final word is a word of blessing from God. May the Lord bless you from Zion. And it, it's a very personal uh, blessing here. Uh, and this is true also of the uh, of the benediction that we use uh, in, in the service, again, that we call uh, uh, the, the Aaronic benediction. And, and that is that that the word you that is used there, it's, it's not the plural, it's the singular. Now, it's true, we're all gathered together. Uh, and yet uh, God bestows a blessing on each of us uh, very personally as we head back out into the into the lives that he's called us to. And that's exactly why we've come, isn't it? That's why we've gathered uh, before him, uh, because we need his blessing. And through his great high priest, Jesus, uh, we have it, you know, life forevermore. And because of that, now uh, to borrow from another part of the liturgy, uh, now, now I'm ready to depart in peace. And so as you look at this, it's, it's just, it, I mean, you you brought us every single corner on how we can look at this. This is absolutely so, um, I feel like that oil of God's grace is showering upon us today as as we look thinking about uh, Psalm 133. And I, I like how Luther speaks about this when he speaks about how he's addressing the priests and those who are the people of the word. And then he says, we as we as Christians especially pastors, should do as Timothy says in 2 Timothy 4, that we should continually be constant in the word and not concern ourselves that people despise the word and turn it into fables. And I thought that was a very <laughs> a very helpful quote for us today, that Psalm 134 reminds us, be about the word, lift up your hands in praise, be about the word. Yes, are there people who are denying this? Yes, but be about the word. Pastor, you have any thoughts on that? Because I thought that was very, very appropriate for our world today. Well, I, I would just go back to, uh, you know, to, to something that I had said earlier, that, that passage that I had quoted from, uh, from 1 Corinthians, or rather 2 Corinthians, where it says that, mm -hmm. that we're the aroma of Christ. And, and yes, we have... We have this wonderful blessing that we have in Christ, and we declare it to the world. And yet, so often it seems like people are—they're they're not interested. It, it for them, it's just a—it's a fragrance of death. They have no desire to receive these blessings. And yet, we remember that—that that for so many, and maybe many who we we don't even know know what it's doing for them, but it is really for them a fragrance for life, just a, a refreshing smell that that. Uh, that brings to them hope, that it brings to them uh, a peace. It helps them know that, that in all sorts of ways, um, Lord, I, I need your help because I'm not, uh, I, I'm not experiencing maybe this unity, this fellowship uh, that the psalm speaks of, or I'm seeing in other lives around me that they're not experiencing it. And, and yet this is, the, this is the word that has power to break through and uh, to bring this, uh, this, this wonder of God's peace to a person. Pastor, we have about 30 seconds left in our time. How would you encourage our listeners and summarize these two wonderful psalms? Well, I, the, the first thing I would say is, is, is gather for worship. <laughs> gather with God's people. 
uh, because there is uh, there is Christ, uh, and there is the uh, the the blessing life forevermore. So I, I would say that that's what these psalms are calling us to uh, to recognize what God does for His people and how and and how He speaks a word of life for us. Pastor Jim Price of Mount Calvary Lutheran Church in Wamego, Kansas, given us God's strong word through prayer and study of Psalms 133 and 134. Pastor Price, thank you for bringing us his gifts. You bet. It was a, a delight to be with you, Brady. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.